Van Wee Financial is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Welcome to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Now here are your hosts of the Van Wee Financial Hour, Stephen and Adam Van Wee. It's Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we are here, as always, sunny and bright and alive and well and raring to talk about anything that we want to talk about, but it would be a lot more fun to talk about the things that you would like to talk about. Welcome back, all of the regulars, and for the new people hearing us for the first time, stick around. might learn something today and just never know what will happen. But uh, we, we have had some interesting times lately, and I would not hesitate to say that among the more interesting weeks of our lives in our business and several others would be the one just passed because stuff happened. There was so much stuff happening this yeah. week. And the the best part for businesses like ours, for investors like you, and so on, was that this corporate tax cut is going to fuel what I think – will be a continuation of the good times we've all been having in the market, at least for some time or until something stupid happens. You never know when you're dealing with a bunch of elected officials. It isn't over until it's over, signed, sealed, and delivered. And as soon as Trump puts the P on his name, I think he had to stand up and take a bow because this was a big one for him, and it looks like it's going to actually happen. We're going to talk a lot about that today and what it will mean to you, to us, and to people just starting out. And much of it is good news. I am not going to benefit from it. Adam will not benefit from it. We state that right up front, and yet we both fully support it. Because it's right for the country. It's right for you. It's right for our business. It's just bad for us personally. I'll get over that part if it does a good enough job for you folks and for the business and for the market and all that stuff because it sure makes – our lives easier when people come in and see us for their regular meetings and they can't stop smiling. I much prefer those to the yes. other type of meeting where the market I, is tanking. I've been in this business long enough to have both sides of that one more than once. But anyway, it was an extraordinary week in the market, and I'm going to let Adam tell you all about it. So the Dow would have to move just 348 points to reach 25,000. That represents a move of 1.4%, and we have two weeks to do it. And this week alone, we saw the Dow move 1.3% higher. So is it possible? Absolutely. And the best part of the good news didn't come till Friday. Yeah. We opened was, Monday with that yeah. news in our back pocket. This is true. So the NASDAQ had an even better week. It gained 1.4%, and the da- or the S&P gained 0.9%. So if you think that that means equities can't have a good 2018 just because we had a really good 2017, you would be wrong. 
Yeah, there is true. absolutely no correlation between returns in any two consecutive years. So next year is just as likely to be good as it is to be bad. So don't let where the market is today determine whether or not you are going to get invested. Especially if you're a, a value investor, you probably, if you have been a value investor this year, you've probably seen your performance lag the overall market, and that's because 2017 has been all about growth stocks. However, that hasn't been the case through the recovery, which means since 2009, as both value and uh, growth were roughly equal from 2009 to 2015 when all of a sudden they started to diverge. My guess is that you'll see value stocks rise up to the level of growth stocks or growth stocks will pull back a bit and that divergence will be corrected in the not so distant future. So keep an eye on that. It's, it's unusual to see this much outperformance by one or the other. I agree. My other area that I really like right now is international stocks. They've seen large gains this year, and some of them have even outpaced the U.S. market. But they're also coming off much lower levels in a lot of cases than the U.S. market, and that's in terms of price-to-earnings ratios. Recently, we've seen some consolidation in the international markets, and it could be a decent entry point. I'm much more bullish on international stocks than I have been in a long while, especially compared to domestics. And I'm still... That doesn't mean I'm bearish on domestics either. I'm with no, you. but we are shifting some allocation further into international day by day because we both feel the same way. And I think there's a heck of a lot of upside left over there. I do as well. They don't like Trump. They don't like – a lot of them don't even like Americans. But they sure as heck love our economy. Yeah, well, some of them say that and then wear our clothes and listen to that's our music and whatever. But that's neither here nor there. Personal feelings aside, I think they do have some upside. The big news this week was really a non-event. The Fed did what everyone knew they were going to do and raise the Fed funds rate by one quarter point. Yeah. And the market (laughs) yawned. Exactly. And moved up. Except for Thursday. At this point, they're still forecasting three additional rate hikes for next year, which also matched the expectations. There's very little trading based on that news, meaning that the Fed action was already priced into the market. So as as Steve just said, yawn. Yeah. The other big news of the week was the retail sales report. If you listen to the show, I've been saying that retail is not dead. In fact, we titled our November 18th podcast, The Resurgence of Retail. Go and check it out on our podcast archive on our website, vanwefinancial.com. Now, that was pretty smooth. Yeah. I mean, I just – you can't have an economy this good and retail sales not follow no, it. Isn't that the truth? It just is not going to happen. Especially with gasoline up only a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's It's not robbing everybody's pocket for the extra money they've got. The um, While you're on our website, also check out our new video. It's a it's right on the front page. Um, you can't miss it. It explains how we do business, why it's important to have a fee-only planner. And then right below that, you can find our latest blog post for the week. But that's a whole other story. I want to get back to the retail sales report, which for November came in at a 0.8% increase versus an expected 0.3% increase. In addition, October was revised up to 0.5% increase versus a 0.2 that was originally reported. That might this that's a pretty significant it's error. Huge, yeah. I mean, that's over 1% increase in 2 months. Yeah. And my guess is that this might be the best retail season for the holiday season that we have ever seen in this country. Oh, I I would put money on that one. I mean, it, I think people have money, they're out spending money and I think the retailers are really going to benefit. Now, a larger portion of that has shifted to online sales, which is fine. You know, it's it's 
either here or there. Sure. But I still think it's going to be a great retail season. Yep, I absolutely agree. I'm just making some notes this morning about what's going well in this country right now. And I've found a few. GDP. Mm-hmm. Revised recently, up to 3.3. That's two in a row over 3%. And I saw a Fed, one of the Fed forecasted 4% for next year. Wow. Um, consumer spending, which Adam was just talking about. Confidence. Confidence is an incredible number. Both in the consumer and in small business, confidence is at an all-time high, and people are just thinking that it's going to get better instead of worse. Hiring. How many great jobs reports have we had? And some of the ones that aren't reported or talked about very much are even better. Inflation. Starting to tick up a little bit. It's at 22 and that's a good thing, folks. We don't want these zero, one, minus a half or anything like that. We want inflation to march along a little bit. It keeps everything moving in the proper direction. And notice in my list what I didn't talk about. Taxes. You add tax cuts for many, many people and many, many companies to that list of things that are going on now, and unless there's something really, really, really unusual, things that you can't plan on, that is all leading in one direction, and that direction has a big smile on its face for people like me, people like you, people who invest in the stock market, and on and on and on. And we'll talk about that and a lot of other things when we get back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Banway Financial Hour. Let's get back to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Once again, here's Stephen and Adam Van Wee. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. The lines are open 904-222-8255. That's 222-TALK where you can call in if you've got an answer to this week's trivia question, which is brought to you by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm. You can call Ken at 636-7888. Back in 1930, two things were born. My mother and Social Security. Totally unrelated, except that she used it for a long time. At that time, the life expectancy for men was 58 years. What was the life expectancy for women Back then, when Social Security started, it's a whole number. That's all I care about. All right. A couple of big things happened this week, but it's not even arguable. I don't believe that the biggest thing, of course, was the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, as it's called. Part of that is accurate. Um, It failed on many, many levels, the number one being tax simplification which is not going to happen. You're going to see the 70,000-page tax code even bigger. Your CPA is going to charge you more unless you're just doing a very simple one-page return. And you know the rules, folks, as well as I do. Callers go to the head of the line. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? All right. Hey, I just wanted to see, uh, do you think there'll be a small cap rotation starting on Monday? I know January there's usually a good, is a good month for small caps, but do you think it'll start a little early? Yes, my opinion. What do you think, Adam? On Friday, we saw uh, small caps outperform, so I, I 
do think you're probably onto something. Mm-hmm. They've been lagging the large caps for the better part of what two years now. So I I definitely think that that is a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. And I I think it has to do partly with the season because you're right about the seasonal rotation into small caps. This historically is a good time for them. But I think bigger than that lies the prospects of the corporate tax rates coming down. Small companies like to fund their growth internally. You can't do that if you're giving Uncle Sam all of your profits. But you can do it if you're allowed to keep more in your pocket and reinvest. They're not as likely to be paid out in dividends as the large companies are. I think they're much more likely to get plowed back into the business. And I think it is an absolutely common sense and insightful way to look at what you have just proposed how's that yeah i agree and now let's fast forward to january 2nd and 3rd Mm -hmm. where everybody and his uncle is expecting a sell-off for profit taking (laughs) uh on particularly on the large caps so do you think the first few days of january we're going to see some big profit taking no i don't know i'd I'd be afraid to get out i would as well uh that's (laughs) <laughs> this tax cut thing changes everything really it does you i love the way you're thinking but i just i get the feeling that a lot of people are going to be afraid to do something drastic when it looks to me like this momentum is just going to carry us through so i'm going to take a pass on that one and just not stick my neck out real far you know there's <clears throat> there's two types of investors or, or there's one way of looking at investors there's in breaking it down into two groups. There's the momentum investors and the value investors. And a momentum investor looks at the market that's hot and says, well, it's got momentum. I'm going to get in and ride it up. The value investor takes the contrarian view and says, oh, it's it's really hot. That means that anything that hasn't gone up during this run, I'm going to get into that. Or I'm just not going to get in until the market pulls back. And right now, I feel like it's all momentum but that could change. We had an awful lot of people over the last year or two waiting for the pullback to get in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My gosh, it just hasn't come. So, You know it will. It's just when and what are you going to sacrifice before it happens? And will there be any signals beforehand or not? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. So, I, I loved your question. I think it's absolutely valid. And the first part of it I'm in total agreement with. The second part I just got a big old question mark. Yeah, it seems like uh, like Dan. I, I uh, subscribe to Dan Fitzpatrick's uh, commentary, and uh, he's with Real Money and CNBC. And he said that trade is too obvious. He said everybody's expecting uh, some selling the first few days of January, particularly in large caps. But he says that it's too obvious, and so therefore it may not happen. It's an interesting viewpoint. Yeah, I like people who think on the contrary inside. I, I would tend to agree with them on this one. Yeah, me too. So, hard to say. Well put, though. Um, would you like to take a shot or a trivia question? <laughs> I'll try uh, 63. Ooh, you're close, but a little too high. But we appreciate it. Hey, have we answered your question to the best of our ability? <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys are great. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All right. We got a bracket, folks. That's a... Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, really what he's asking is uh, uh, borderline trying to time the market, and you just can't do it. You can have an opinion, but often you're wrong, more often than you're right, honestly. Well, we we came up with an idea about small caps. 
that I think the business will plow more money back into the business, making it grow faster, which makes it a really good buy. But the other one, if you go up to the stocks already paying dividends and they get a tax cut, they're likely to increase those dividends because by paying them, they're saying this is the best investment for our corporate cash that we can get. And that's what makes our stock valuable to the type of investors who are investing for dividends. Therefore, if it goes up, logically, our stock would go up. Therefore, it's a good idea. And that makes a value play a real smart thing. Yeah. Now, does that continue if rates continue to rise? It's a great question. And no one knows for sure. If you can but rates finally... are not going to rise very fast. I no, think. that's true. I, I don't see the Fed changing course dramatically, even with the new head. No, uh, it's hard to say. They, they are... Showing come some concern about inflation numbers, but then, of course, they talk out of the other side of their mouth and said, well, we don't really like the CPI. You know, We don't use that. We use this crazy spending index that we have that keeps everything down. And they're also, and this is one of the things we'll talk about in the corporate and individual tax things, they have now done what they've been trying to do for every, at least as long as I've been on the radio, which is about 16 years now. They have been trying to link the inflation rate not to the regular old consumer price index, but to what they call the chained CPI. And what the chained CPI does is it slows the rate of reported inflation, which means your Social Security will be going up less than the actual rate of inflation. If you're linked to a union contract or something with a COLA, that's going to be slowed down in its increases. Over a long time, that will make a difference. I don't see a heck of a lot of difference in the short run. But remember, for those of you who, like I do, like TIPS, they are currently tied to the regular entire consumer price index. If that changes, it might change my attitude on them. I will be watching that as well as many other things. So that said... Let's start a discussion. Now, let's not. Let's start it after the 1030 break. Let's go over to the other not quite as big and not quite as complicated issue of the day, that being net neutrality. And Adam and I both have opinions on it. We have not shared them with each other. I will promise you that they will be the same, though. Uh, I don't know. I, this will surprise me. Or enlighten me, one or the other. I feel like I could make this argument either way. And there's reasons on both sides or arguments on both sides that I agree with. And then there's crazy arguments on both sides that are just off the wall. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But this week, the FCC declared an end to the Obama-era net neutrality regulations. And if you're not aware of what that is, it's a regulation that required all Internet service providers or ISPs to treat digital traffic equally. They're not allowed to slow down any type of net traffic. So, for instance, without net neutrality, Comcast could potentially slow down the speed of you streaming Netflix while boosting the speed to traffic that played Comcast's own content. They could also theoretically ban you from visiting certain sites or have you pay extra per month to be able to visit those sites. So this regulation said, nope, you can't do that. If you offer internet, you just have to offer internet. You can't speed up, slow down, or block anything. And so that regulation was was uh, abandoned this week by the FCC. And people were up in arms, to say the least. If you got on Twitter or Reddit or any of the other popular sites, you would see that people are freaking out. 
Uh, yeah. What's the history of net neutrality? I'm getting there. Okay. So all of that, all those arguments are theory only because prior to net neutrality, which wasn't around very long. It was implemented in 2015. So prior to that, none of that was happening. So all of the scenarios I just described, none of that was happening without this regulation that made it illegal to do that. So it was all hypothetical. Additionally, it the, is all hypothetical. the current regulations still require ISPs to be transparent about what they are going to throttle or block. So they can't just do it and not tell you. They have to actually tell you that they're going to do it. So you can make an informed decision as a consumer if you're on Comcast and they decide to do it. You can actually switch ISPs. You could use cellular. You could go to a, a satellite service or maybe something that we haven't even thought of yet. It actually could spur more innovation on the ISP side than is currently available just because of this rule, if any of those scenarios were to play out. The big government types will then say, well, 30% of the people in this country don't have competitive ways to get the Internet. Right now, but that could be partially because of net neutrality. That was the right answer. So, yeah. I knew we'd agree. It's an interesting um, argument. I've got a little bit more about it. Yeah, I'll talk after the break. Yeah, um, see, we raised him so well. <laughs> Mom and I are much more in the camp of the companies are not going to do it poorly because their reputation will be shot instantly. And her dad always said it takes a lifetime to build one and five minutes to lose it. On that thought, we're going to take a short break. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Van Wee Financial is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Let's get back to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Once again, here's Stephen and Adam Van Wee. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And lines are open 904-222-8255. That's 904-222-TALK. We have a trivia question out there sponsored by... First Coast Alarm. In 1930, at the inception of Social Security, the life expectancy for a male in this country was 58. What is the life expectancy for a woman on that same date? And we know that 63 is too high. This segment brought to you by Robinson Landscape and Maintenance. Call Troy at 662-9794. Good time to do some cleanup. We've been doing that cleanup, fix-up, and some projects around the yards because the grass isn't growing quite as fast as it does around here normally. So a really good time to start talking about making your place look better. All right, we've been talking about net neutrality, and I want to add a few comments, as does Adam. It is its just a disaster, I think, what we have done to the public mindset in the last eight years where the government is just, thought of as the be-all and end-all, and we have to get over it. And part of the way you get over it is to deregulate society and let people watch what happens. We were talking in the break that Trump had set out from the first days in office, said this country is overregulated. So I have made a rule that 
for every regulation that's implemented, two have to be rescinded. Well, they went back and did the math on it this week, and it didn't come out two to one. It came out 22 to one. 22 regulations went away for each one implemented. At that pace, there's hope for this country. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> anyway, but one of the one of the examples of a huge overregulation is net neutrality, and it violates that thing that I talk about on the show over and over and over called the Truth and Labeling Act. You know that one, the one that doesn't exist. Government labels things so they sound good. You've got to dig a lot deeper to find out if they are good. That's why net neutrality stinks the way it does because it's got a name that implies that they're helping us all. And as Adam has started to explain, that's not so. Carry on. Not at all. So the the viewpoints on net neutrality are pretty much split along party lines with the Democrats saying that we should have it and the Republicans saying, no, we don't need it. And um, some of the arguments are pretty interesting, to say the least. I'll start with the uh, Democrat side. My favorite one was a take that ending net neutrality is racist. And I, I will put a link to that on our, our blog when I put it up this week. But the the logic behind it goes something like like this. It said that because people of color use the Internet to organize demonstrations and that could be blocked in the future, we are limiting access to people's ability to organize and demonstrate against the white majority. Huh? Uh, yeah, I know. It, it, <laughs> I don't know. It's that's not one of my the most logical arguments, but it also some of the other ones were that it would stifle creativity because Verizon, Comcast and AT&T would get to decide which web content will be viewed. And some large companies um, would be able to pay them to get their content viewed while a small startup would not be able to. And that is a theoretical possibility. I could see something like that happening. But Mm -hmm. would it stifle the creativity when if the consumers find out about a hot new website or like let's say Facebook back in the day, do you really think that they wouldn't demand access to it if, if they found out what it was and loved it and these college kids that started it were using it like crazy? I, I think it would not benefit AT&T and Comcast to give access to that because if their consumers demand it and they can't get it through Comcast, they're going to find another way to get it. How many small ISPs are there in this country? Internet service providers. That I don't know. I don't either, but not nearly as many as there will be with this thing gone. Yeah, that's true. Just like Dodd-Frank was the um, shot in the arm for large banks by stifling all the, the ability to compete at the small level, this net neutrality is the same thing for Internet service providers, where it has basically put barriers to entry into the business. They have now been removed. So all AT&T and Comcast and Time or whatever have to do to start losing their business real quickly is do a bad job at serving their customers, and a lot of people are going to be coming in to fill that space, and they're not going to be treating people like that for much longer. That is just a fundamental rule of free markets. Unfortunately, today we live in a society where most people under about age 30 believe that socialism is a superior system to capitalism and free markets. They have been dumbed down, is the best way I can think of to put it, to not understand 
what creates this sort of thing in the first place. Adam and I were talking in the break. The Internet started to come into people's homes in the middle 90s. So we'll call it 95, just around it. For 20 years, it went from this crazy little dial-up, you've got mail, AOL thing, to high-speed Internet, interconnected everything's wireless everything, being common. People don't ask you anymore if you've got a wireless network. They ask you what it's called. Yeah, what's your what's your guest password? Yeah, and this is just normal. Now, that didn't happen because of net neutrality. That happened despite net neutrality, and most of it was in place by 2015 when they implemented this thing. The only changes that are tangible because of net neutrality are government interference with the free market doing its job and getting even better. When that goes away, I promise you, it will get nothing but better because everybody is afraid to do it wrong. Hey, Chris. Well, how are you? You're doing a great job, as usual. Thank you, thank you. What's on your mind? Well, I was going to ask you a question. Is the stock market going wild uh, and appears to continue, well, at least through 2018? It would seem to, but it does that... Um, the uh, Republicans would do real well in November 2018. Uh, however, a lot of people aren't invested. So uh, some comment on that, and I'll take a chance at your trip. All uh, right. Uh, six, the, 61. Uh, that is a little too low. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> we, we, gosh. We appreciate you, you uh, guessing. Do you want us to talk about it with you, or do you want to listen on the air, on the radio? Oh, yes, yes. I got a radio turned off. Okay. Well, then let's let's chat a little bit about Republican chances in 2018. If things work out the way you suggested, which is exactly what we think, and more people are working, making more money, and paying less taxes, I suspect, and I'm not a human behavioral science major, but I kind of suspect they'll kind of like who's running the show. That'd be my guess. That can't, should speak well for Republicans. Can't disagree with that. No. People will yeah. vote with their wallets. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, it'll be the first time in a long time that uh, the party in power has not lost seats. Uh, I think that the Alabama election was just a uh, uh, little diversion there. Too much going on there, and that's why the Republicans lost. Yeah, we, yeah. Did, we didn't have to lose that. It, it would have been smart for him to back off and fight this thing in the media, not while running for the office. But yeah. he did it, and now it's too late for them. Yeah. On the other hand, that seats up again in 2020, and right. at that point, I strongly suggest we'll probably take it back. Well, it is Alabama, so it is a strong and, chance. Well, and, yeah. and Shelby didn't help him either, saying, I didn't vote no, for the guy. that didn't help at all. That, that was a killer. We tend yeah. to eat our young. In the Republican Party, we do eat our young way too often, unfortunately. But despite that, I think our prospects are excellent. Yeah. So the stock market, you're thinking, uh, I heard one report say it could go to 30000 here in the next two or three years. You know, as high as that sounds, it would not shock me one little bit. No, that's yeah. not even a huge move in terms of nope. years uh, at this point because we're on such a high level. The one thing you can probably say for sure is that it won't go directly there. No. It'll be a zigzag no. path. But I think yeah. we're very possibly headed that way. And I can't wait. Makes it yeah. fun. 
All right, music's playing. Appreciate your phone call and call us back anytime. You have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. We have a bracket, folks. It's a pretty tight one. Real tight one. So if anybody wants to stick their neck out and, and do a little interpolating, probably pick up a little something for your Christmas so stock. $25 gift card to Publix. So not okay, a bad we're gift. on Publix. That's, yep. that's a good thing. And don't tell me you can't use it. Somebody's ringing in right now. <laughs> we'll take it after the break because we have to go right now. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk a little bit more about the taxes after the break, too. This is the Van Lee Financial Hour. Let's get back to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Once again, here's Stephen and Adam Van Wee. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And with us is George. Good morning. Good morning. You might, what, want to guess on the trivia? Uh, well, yeah, but yeah, six two, whatever. <laughs> you nailed it. I, you, you are truly a math mathematician. A math mathematician. Man for all seasons. <laughs> well, um, at when you're done with the call, don't hang up, and we'll um, put you through to Alan, and he'll get your mailing address and that sort of thing. Meanwhile, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, if I put my assets in a trust. Can I parse this out to my descendants on a $15,000 or less basis every year by uh, contract or, and and leave the trust sitting undisturbed or, or how's that possible? Yeah. If you can think of it, generally speaking, a good attorney can write it. The nice thing about the trust is that you control exactly what you want done and unless it's illegal or something like that, which they won't write, then they'll just make it happen. I love how our the attorney that we work with a lot puts it like this. A trust is basically a fancy will. So mm-hmm. if you want to do something outside of the standard, just leave all your assets to your heirs, and you want to parse it out over time, or you want to set key dates where they get a percentage, or you want to exclude someone and give someone a higher percentage you can do all of that with a trust which is what makes it such a powerful planning tool especially here in florida we really strongly recommend it to most people who have any kind of assets right and we will work with any lawyer that people are using right now but if anybody needs one um, especially fans of this radio station might want to tune in at eight o'clock on saturdays and listen to joe pippen Joe is an attorney that does that sort of thing, and he is the one we work with in the absence of anybody having a preference otherwise. So it's nice to kind of keep it in the family, so to speak. But the answer to your question, George, is yes, you can absolutely do $15,000 a year or any other combination of uh, ideas that you come up with will be able to be written into the trust and then then executed by your trustee. It's just that simple. So if you if you have an attorney you work with, fine. If you want that recommendation, we'll give you one or ask some friends or whatever. But, yeah, it's just another way of you expressing your will, as Adam said. Mm-hmm. I like it. So good news today. Great. All right, Great. don't Thank go anywhere. Um, hang on, and we'll have Alan pick up your address. And thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Cool. We had a winner. Yep, and a good question as well. A very good question, actually. Um, 
Net neutrality, you got any closing comments you want to make or should I move on to the tax law? Um, basically, my closing comments are this. The, the fact is, what changed with the Internet when it was implemented? Nothing. Nothing. What is going to change now? Probably about the same amount of things. I, I just don't see it being a game, as much of a game cha- changer as people are talking about. The fact is consumers drive the market. Consumers want the Internet. They are going to be extremely ticked off if it changes substantially. So I don't see it happening. In the immortal words of Paul Simon, you got to keep the customer satisfied. That was Paul Simon? Yep. Okay. All right. Tax law looks like it's going to be passed. The compromise bill was agreed to, and the few holdouts, like Rubio and such, have all indicated they're willing to support the thing, which is good. Net-net, yeah, it's a good good thing that's going on. It has problems. You get something designed by 535 people, it's going to have problems, folks. we we got to live with that. And as the politicians sometimes like to say, I'm not going to let perfect get in the way of good. We did that a couple of times with Obamacare. It did not work out well. So let's just say that this is good, should pass, and Trump should win. The number one thing is for the Trump brand for the next year or so, this is going to eliminate all that stuff about he can't even get one big thing passed. So that alone will just... I'll leave it there, I guess. Uh, anyway, I'm going to take a Clint Eastwood look at what has passed. I will know a lot more next week. Details are still scarce on this thing, as you might guess, having it be so late in the week when it was done. But here's a few. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Good. The business tax rate will drop from 35% to 21%. Bad. Trump's original proposal was 15%. And the ugly. Corporations don't pay taxes. It should be zero. People pay taxes. Next, good. The so-called repatriation tax passed. That's where money that's been earned offshore is staying offshore because it's too expensive to bring it home. The bad, it's too high at 15.5%, and it's 8% for non-cash assets. That ought to be zero. And the repatriation should be between 4 and 7 because those numbers have been proven in the past to work. The ugly, let's go back to my previous point about corporations not paying taxes. Next, the good, business cuts do not have an expiration date. Bad, individual rates expire after eight years in order to comply with the BIRD Act. And the ugly, the BIRD Act, which is not only named after a dead man, but it stands in the way of good ideas being implemented. Next, good, the standard deduction is nearly doubled. Bad. Personal exemptions are no longer available. The ugly. Families with more than two kids will be penalized unless the child tax credit will apply to everyone. And I do not believe that it will not be phased out at certain income levels. Oh, it, it, I'm pretty sure that's in there. I'm pretty sure I think they're is. pretty high, though, which is good. Yeah, but that's a start. This shouldn't be. No one should get penalized for having children. Period. End of discussion. Good. Several rates are slightly lower, and some brackets are wider than they were before. The bad, with limited deductions, taxable income will be higher. So bracket expansion is really not as helpful as they make it sound. And the ugly, the most common tax brackets, which affect the bulk of the taxpayers right in the middle, 
get virtually no relief from this thing. Next, the good state and local taxes, what they call the SALT deductions, were not eliminated. Bad. They were capped at $10,000 annually. And the ugly, any government big enough to cap those deductions is big enough to lower that cap to zero eventually. Next, good. The child tax credits doubled to $2,000. Bad. The credits go away at income levels over 400000 There we go. Mm-hmm. Ugly. The entire concept of phase-out of various items is inherently discriminatory and regressive, in my opinion. Next, good. Mortgage interest deductions are retained. Bad. The limit has been reduced from a million dollars to 750000 and it only affects new loans. And the ugly... Your home equity line of credit interest, no longer deductible, folks. That one hurts. If you want to roll that into your mortgage and do it before December 31, and that would keep it under $750,000, get it done, or under a million, actually. If you can do it. If you can do it, do it, and you'll get all of that deducted. Next, the good medical expense deductions made the cut. The bad, I can't find out what the cut is. I don't. Is it 10%, 7.5%? I can't tell yet. I'll tell you next week. And the ugly, the devil's always in the details, and there's no simplification here. I fear they're going to mess with that somehow. The good, corporate AMT, alternative minimum tax, is eliminated. The bad, individual AMT, is retained. Why? 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 why, why? so annoying. Ugly, the entire concept of an alternative minimum tax. The good, estate tax exemptions are doubled. Bad estate taxes will still apply to many people and worse yet to businesses and farms. And the ugly, we have a death tax? That's ugly. Good, eliminates the mandate to buy health insurance. Yay. Bad, other provisions of Obamacare are continued. And the ugly, Obamacare. Next, good, nothing at all about small business S-Corps and LLCs is let's say, getting better. The bad, the limits on the pass-through income availability are going to hurt a lot of successful people, two of which are talking to you now. Ugly, not all businesses are created equal, which we were promised up front. Next, good, positive effect on the stock market. Bad, no similar effect for middle-income earners and their families. Ugly, any government that believes that it is entitled to more than 10% of your money and is still taking us deeper in debt. They're not saving any money with this thing, folks. It should involve spending less money. That said, I hope it works. I hope they get it all passed and roll it into next year's law. Uh, There's going to be some things that wait till 2019 to kick in. We'll have a lot more of those details next week. I'll be spending all week studying this long and hard. We, We will be here live on each of the next two Saturdays. We work when other people take off. So come and join us, and I hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Got one more week to do some shopping, and that's it. We will see you same time next week. This is the Family Financial Hour.